Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be unto all. And to unjust adulterers or even as this publican I fast twice in the week I give tithes of all that I possess and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven but smote upon his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Glory to thee, today. <laughs> but it's good to celebrate the feast strongly, right? So we did that, thank God. Well, I think we all have an amazing ability to be blind to our own spiritual state. By that I mean simply that like the Pharisee in today's gospel, we think we're not like other men. We think we're better than them, but in fact we're worse. And so it is that St. John Climacus says that self-knowledge is the doorway to humility. I'll quote him saying this. He says, self-knowledge is the true idea of one's spiritual growth and an unbroken remembrance of one's slightest sins. Seems to me that St. John was getting at something very crucial, that we never lose sight of our weaknesses, our failures, and our sins, and that seeing one's sins is a doorway to humility. The minute we lose track of our own sinfulness, we become blinded. And the more we persist in our sins, not even knowing that we have them, or acknowledging them at least, the more we harden our hearts, and the more blind we become. Today I wanted to look at this gospel we've seen and heard so often in a way that sheds light on this issue of spiritual blindness and the danger that it has for us, this spiritual blindness especially related to the issue of self-knowledge of our own spiritual state before God. And so the Lord starts off this gospel by saying that two men went up into the temple to pray. He points at the fact that there's two roads in life. One leads to salvation and one leads to damnation. One leads to fulfilling life in Christ and one leads to blindness and darkness. These two men are contrasted greatly. One is a Pharisee, 
The Pharisee is the man that's supposed to be the righteous, spiritual, holy leader of men. And the other is a publican, who everyone knew, as we spoke of when we talked about Zacchaeus, was a sinner, greedy, taking things by force and extorting money from people in any way that he could. Ward sets up this contrast for us clearly to see that there's a huge gulf between those that will be saved and those who will lay in darkness like this publican and this Pharisee were illustrated above. So we see in the beginning of the gospel that the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus, it says, with himself, as if to say that God was nowhere really in his sight when he was praying. You can pray like that, can't you? You can pray when God really isn't really the issue about your prayer. It's something else. It's duty. It's required. It's public. It's testimony. But it's not really prayer with God. It's just with yourself. But we notice posture. His posture, one of pride. Standing boldly up at the front of the temple in a place where everyone could see him as he prayed with himself. Saying, God, I thank you. I'm not as other men are. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. And I'm not even as this publican pointing out that he wasn't a sinner in his own mind. He wasn't any of those sins, and he wasn't as the publican. It's funny how, how the Lord, in a few verses later, points out that the publican was righteous. In this man's mindset, that man was a sinner, and he was pure. Yet the Lord says that that publican was justified. So interesting how far off we can get. How far from truly understanding what we're like we can get. And so it was this Pharisee stood in the posture of pride, praying with himself that he wasn't a sinner. He wasn't a sinner at all. He was just a pure, holy person standing there praying to God. Then he extolled himself for the works that he has done. He said, I fast twice in a week. He says, I give tithes of all that I possess. It's interesting to note that he really did those things. He gave his tithes. He fasted twice in a week. Do we do these things? This unrighteous person did these things. But without humility, as the Lord points out, it was all useless. All those fasts that he took, all those tithes that he gave, they were all useless, futile. They were vanity, just to be seen in men. And before God, they stood as nothing. Now the great contrast is laid out for us because the Lord then turns his eyes to the publican. And it says the publican was standing afar off, as if afraid to come into the temple. He was afar off. And his posture was quite contrary to that of the other man. His posture was one that bespoke of humility in his outward actions. His eyes were down. He smote on his breast. And he said these beautiful words. He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Understanding that he needed God's mercy. He needed God's blessing. And he needed to understand that he was a sinner. He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner, remembering his sins, and then pleading for mercy before the holy God. What a great contrast is set before us. The Lord finishes off this clearly in such a way that divides the sheep from the goats, if you will. 
He says, this man, speaking to the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. The publican, he said, was prepared to be at my supper. He was prepared to be at my table. He was prepared for heaven. But the other man, the Pharisee, was prepared for hell. He wasn't prepared for anything but damnation. There was no forgiveness for him, no justification, no salvation. His sins remained. Sins that he couldn't even see. How sad. He says to the Lord that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, setting up this great contrast. And then he says the reason why there's this great gulf between these two roads, if you will, is that one man exalts himself and the other humbles himself. This is the great divide, really. It's what's behind the prayer of God be merciful to be a sinner. That pride that this Pharisee had casts us into darkness. It casts us into darkness, a place of blindness. Sins cast us into darkness. Sins separate us from God. But humility gives us repentance. And it leads us to salvation, as the Lord says clearly here. The publican, the man who should be acknowledged as a sinner, can be saved because of his humility. Hearing this gospel, I think we should be moved to consider the Pharisees' blindness and look at ourselves and wonder, how can it be that someone that knows so much about God, a Pharisee, he was a teacher of the Jews, he knew the law, he could probably recite it backwards and forwards. How can someone that knows so much be so far out of touch with can ask ourselves that. How can we be so far out of touch with truth, with reality, with our own spiritual status, with ourselves? How can we get that far out where we'll be there praying to ourselves and God's not even anywhere in sight? And we think we've got no sin. We're far from what St. John Climacus warned us, self-knowledge, to remember every single little sin even and living in a place where we're pleading for God's mercy, knowing we need something greater than ourselves. Blindness is caused by seeing and hearing, but disobeying God over time. The longer we persist in our sins, the more danger we have. We see this so well exemplified in the life of Pharaoh. When plague after plague came, and after each one he hardened his heart, till finally he hardened his heart so much that God Sin brings us to blindness. Blindness is caused by sin. Sin, hearing God, not obeying God. Sin, seeing God work and not acknowledging it. And that blindness just creeps in till the heart gets hardened. It doesn't really see. That's how a man can pray like this man. Praying in the temple, in the most holy place of the nation of Israel, so far removed from reality. Is that us? I wonder. We know everything, but we're really not anywhere where we can see God. We can't see ourselves as we really are. You know, God's always trying to awaken us and guide us back to reality, to true knowledge of ourselves. He wants us to walk with him. The prophet Samuel said that What's required of you but to do justly and to do mercy and to walk humbly with your God? We've got the commandments. We hear the word. The Pharisee heard the word. 
He memorized the word. He taught the word. But he never heard it. You know, we spoke about the today. Today, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I must be at your house. There is a time to hear God. And there's a time when he passes by. It's like the Lord said in Hebrews about the Jews. That he said, harden not your voice today if you'll hear his voice. Harden not your heart as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, for your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. But they didn't believe. When they came to the Holy Land, they didn't believe. Their hearts had gotten hard by disobedience, by sin over time. And so, blindness creeps in with sin. But God wants to strip off all this blindness. God keeps trying to pierce through our darkness and bring us to light so that we can see ourselves and we can be like that publican beating on our breast, far off as it were, humbly before God, facing God. Sinful hearts, though, are, are blind. They're cold to God. And I think the saddest heart, the saddest, cold, sinful heart is the heart that doesn't condemn you from within when you sin. Your conscience is seared. You're not able to see your sin anymore, and you're just lifted up in your darkness, in your ignorance of your own state, and yet God keeps trying to call us back. And we keep hardening our hearts. It's a dangerous place to be in. Very dangerous. Because this man came to the day of the count before the Lord. He stood there. And the Lord said he wasn't justified as the other man was. I think something that's even uh, another thing that we need to be aware of, I guess you could say, is that it's not just our words by which we can see our heart being hardened. See, the Lord looks beyond our words. He looks beyond our actions. And it's true that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we can tell something by people's words, right? But you can't tell everything. You can say words. You can do things. Like this man was praying in the temple. This man that was a sinner. But he wasn't really praying. So we can do things. We can see things. We have to understand that God sees right through all that. God is judging the heart. When the Lord said about this Pharisee that he wasn't justified, it wasn't just based on his actions and his, his phony words. It was based on his heart. But God hasn't left us without witness. And so today, I, I guess one of the things that I wanted to speak about is the blindness that comes in when we sear our own conscience, if you were. We have a conscience. God's put his word internally in us. And our hearts speak to us unless they're hardened by sin. The Apostle John said, if our hearts condemn us, God's greater than our heart and knows all things. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and love one another. He gave commands. But he said that our hearts can condemn us. But even if they condemn us, God's greater. God knows more than our hearts could even condemn us of. God knows everything. And God has given us his witness in ourselves of our conscience. And when we harden that conscience in constant sin and disobedience to God, we can get to that place like this Pharisee did. You see, this conscience is a, a valuable thing that God gives us. And we don't want to squander our opportunity, our spiritual voice of God that God gives us. May God allow us to see our own states clearly. And may we wake up if we're sinning, break off our sins so that we don't harden ourselves as Pharaoh did and put ourselves in a place where we can't hear his voice. We want to see our own state. We want to see it like the publican did is weak, in need of God's mercy, in need of God's love. This is humility. This is the key to our justification and salvation. 
God's calling us directly to awaken to true self-knowledge, as St. John Clement has said, so we can see our smallest little sin. That's when we're the holiest, when we can see the most sins. That's why the spiritual fathers on their deathbeds, who apparently to all men were the holiest people they'd ever seen, still wept for their sins and trembled before God, because they saw the smallest sin. And yet we're, I prayed like so often, like this Pharisee, saying how great we are before God, and we're not like other men, and in fact we're worse. May God help us. We set off in these pre-Lenten weeks. May God help us to start in a place where our humility is increased. When we see our small sins, and we have true self-knowledge, and God allows us not to be blind spiritually, but to see things as they really are. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.